past of my good afternoon. Welcome to The Man in Line on Budget Day 2024. Alex sitting in for Andy on the programme today and tomorrow. So, we've heard Dr Alex Allenson give his Treasury miniature Minister address this morning. What have we learned? Well, personal income tax, that's going to rise on the upper band to 22%. National insurance in uh, class one, two and three is going to rise by 8.5%. Where's the money going? Why do we need it? Do you think it's fair and just? And are the squeezed middle feeling even more squeezed? Let's discuss it in the next hour, shall we? It is, of course, an open line, though, so it doesn't have to be about the budget. Um, the, give me a call on 66 13 68 or send a message in on 166 to text or WhatsApp. Uh, but it is the headline news today. Lots of figures to be wrestling with. And uh, the man who is wrestling is our very own John Moss. Good afternoon, John. Yes, I was just thinking, it doesn't worry you, this uh, upper rate of income tax going to 22%, because, of course, you're paying a tax cap, aren't you? Uh, of course uh, I am, yes. Uh, well, which, so there won't be no change in the tax cap of well, 200000 so that's all right for you. <laughs> Speaking of which, though, David Ashford, in all seriousness, did actually raise the, the topic of the tax cap because it's something that doesn't seem to budge and he didn't see the value in it. Well, it, it's a subject of discussion. Um, I know we had a piece on the Manxford at 60, which 30 years ago. Um, the, the, the then uh, Chief Minister, Miles Walker, said it was being looked at by the Treasury. Uh, it was suggested about 125,000, I think, in, the, in those days. Now, of course, it's a, it's a part of life. Um, you have to sign up for a number of years uh, on 200,000, uh, and it is a subject of debate. But this year, it wasn't the subject of debate. It hasn't appeared as far as uh, Dr. Allenson's speech is concerned. He's been concentrating on other things. It has to be said, the contributions so far that he's had from the floor won't be giving him a warm and fuzzy feeling. Mm. Uh, a lot of criticism there, a lot of contributions that have been very detailed, uh, particularly uh, from a former Treasury Minister, David Ashford, who who's, was on his feet for the length of a budget speech, about 40 minutes. Uh, very detailed, very specific. Let me just give you, if you're just tuning in now, the details um, of the budget, the, the headlines. As we've heard there, a rise in the higher rate of income tax from 20 to 22%. Uh, Dr. Hansen said he, knew, he appreciated how this might affect the squeeze middle. I don't think might affect is about it. It probably will affect the squeeze mm. middle because uh, it'll hit them. Uh, income tax thresholds are to be reviewed next year. Uh, the island was warned that uh, what the Treasury Minister was saying should be seen as the start of a process of moving towards a different approach to taxation. There's to be a review of the Manx National Insurance Fund, which would be exhausted by 2048 uh, if no action was taken. Uh, personal allowances, they stay where they are. Uh, basic state retirement pensions and Manx state pensions increased by 8.5%. It's estimated we're told around 20,000 pensioners will see their state pensions increase by between 67 and 8.5%. Primary and secondary thresholds for Class 1 national insurance increasing to £160 a week. The lower earnings limit stays put. The national insurance scheme continues for 24-25. Maternity allowance, adoption allowance and maternity allowance up 15%. Carers allowance up by 6.7 in recent years. What the carers have not been getting has obviously been a subject for great debate. Uh, he spoke of departmental fees and charges not keeping pace with inflation, which is one of the reasons why a lot of them have come forward for overspends for extra money, etc. Most notably of the health department for, well, 30 million initially, but uh, more than that as well. On the corporate level, Dr. Allenson spoke of the OECD's Pillar 2 framework. What, what is this? This is the OECD's Global Minimum Tax Initiative. They're trying to make sure that there's a lower level that 
the, the tax jurisdictions don't sneak in below and attract business away. An increase in the tax rate that applies to corporate taxpayers from banking and large retail activity goes from 10 to 15 percent. 010, which has been the plank of our, our tax network for the corporations, will be retained. Uh, and now, repeat, there's to be a review into the operation of the Manx National Insurance Fund, which we've heard will be exhausted in re- years to come. Uh, the statement was seconded, and then Laurie Hooper got to his feet, and he spoke entirely about his own department, the health department, talking about areas of key concern that needed attention, tangible improvements required, but he warned, despite the substantial increase in budget, there would still be big pressures. They could not just rely, he said, on increased funding. Efficiencies were needed, but those must be balanced against patient care. He added rather portentously, if we do not take the opportunity presented, we must surely be lost. Health Minister, a former Health Minister, Rob Callister, spoke of concern over increased prices, putting financial pressures on businesses. He would support the budget. Then in a very detailed and substantial contribution, David Ashford got to his feet with the top analogy of the day. He likened the budget to a game of Jenga. I don't know if you know Jenga at all. It's like you build a big pile of bricks and then you have to take away the bricks one by one uh, and it could collapse at any time. Uh, he, the level of the cushion of reserves drew, drawing down continued to disturb him mightily. He listed the recent experience and compared the percentages of income beside reserve levels. He went on for some considerable time about that. He had a lot of statistics. He's obviously been working on these figures for a long time unless he carries them around in his head. He compared the percentage the reserves represented compared to expenditure and he was worried. Uh, he went on, other budgets we have today effective in departments delivering services. He said... He, the Treasury Minister had stabilised the reserves at least numerically on paper, but he would at least this give this year the Minister the benefit of the doubt and vote for him. But, he said, he might well change his mind next year. Just to finish, the um, re, all but recent, Claire Christian is, I would say, on her feet speaking, but she's not because she's coming in virtually and you can barely hear her, unfortunately. There's something wrong with the machinery down there. But before her spoke Jason Morehouse, a former economics teacher, who said it's more a question of survive than a new and exciting journey, which he was looking for. He said last year it was about people who were just about managing, and this year he said it was even worse. The cash is being used to fund a sinking bureaucracy, as many are struggling to get by. The budget doesn't lead us to a new economy, said Mr Morehouse. We are still in the shadows of what came before. Well, that's what we've had so far. Uh, lots more to come, a lot more members, both in LegCo and, of course, in the House of Keys, will be wanting to add their contributions to this. At the moment, they are talking about the budget. Not, quite often, the budget consists of a lot of members, ministers, getting up and going on entirely about their own ministries, uh, giving a, an advert to their ministries. But this year, it is pointed really at the budget. It is a tough budget, but then we never really anticipated anything but, Alex. Now, John, in terms of um, people's reactions to this, I've seen um, from members of the public online, a lot of the comment is that um, there, it's meant to be a budget debate and it's more a collection of speeches. Uh, they don't really debate anything. And um, it's almost a foregone conclusion, the current budgetary process, that they can speak for a large amount of time like David Ashford did. But at the end, they say well, I'm still going to vote for it anyway. Yeah. And they keep their fingers crossed that someone's taken notice of what they say. It, it, that's almost the way the process They're goes, using it, it as a platform. There mm. were four members in the South who, over the swimming pool issue, said they were going to vote against. I spoke to two of them yesterday. Um, one of them said he's probably 
going to still speak against the budget. This was Tim Glover, because he wasn't happy with the way government were running things at the moment. He, of course, very publicly stood up and resigned at one case, uh, because he wasn't happy with things were going. But I spoke to Jim Watterson, who uh, spoke about the swimming pool and said that uh, constructive talks were going on with the Treasury, which does sound that he is happier with that situation and we think we'll vote for the budget. So let's cut it down. I couldn't get hold of Mr Morehouse yesterday uh, and I couldn't get hold of the other MHK down there, but we'll wait and see at the end. I think it'll only be a very slim number who vote against the budget. The vast majority will go for it. And one thing we should point out, of course, this high rate of personal income tax, the rise from 20% to 22%, um, that additional income, which is forecast to be worth about 20 20 million, million. is being ring-fenced for the Island's healthcare services. Um, But they're, they're looking at proposing in the future an NHS levy and there was sort of hints which David Ashford um, uh, jumped on to, really, which is that the 20 to 22% uh, increase may only be temporary when this NHS levy comes in. But uh, he did rather cynically said that it's possibly lots of temporary things stay in place permanently. Well, I think when you suggest something as major as an NHS levy, it's not going to come in overnight. No. It's going to take a lot of working out and it's going to be somewhere in the future. So uh, presumably this extra... In the past, uh, we've asked, you know, what about raising income tax? And they said, well, it's not really worth it. One percent raise is worth this so-and-so. And of course, we are a jurisdiction which prides ourselves on our level of tax. And any raise in our tax... Based Basically, sends a few ripples out saying jurisdictions looking a bit wobbly as far as a a good deal is concerned. Uh, 20 million, is that an enormous amount? Just look at the figures we're dealing with as far as the budget is concerned, etc. 20 million, they must see it as worthwhile for that added income to come in. Yeah, you can almost get, what, a a third of a Liverpool ferry terminal for that, John? Well, we don't know what the finishing total is for the Liverpool ferry terminal. (laughs) A third might be very generous. It might might be less than that, a quarter, I don't know, a tenth, I don't know. (laughs) Thank you very much, John Moss, who's uh, keeping his eye over the budget debate, which continues uh, currently on uh, DA, but I I presume they're still there. Some of this money, at least. Yep, the Mr Speaker is currently on his feet. Um, It continues over on our DAB and AM1368 and online services. So, let's turn to you then. What do you think of the budget? It's not been warmly received um, uh, when it comes to um, how we're raising the money. I don't think anyone ever turns around and complains about governments spending more money in certain areas. But this year, it's one of those ones where um, the rabbit isn't so much being pulled out of the hat, but partially being pulled out of your your hands. Uh, the Department of Education, Sport and Culture has got an extra three million to commence with the delivery of childcare strategy, with thirty-five million committed over five years. There's an extra forty-three point eight million provided to Manx Care to support the work of the NHS. Bear in mind that later on today, that the members are going to have to uh, approve supplementary votes for this year's um, uh, spending. And Department of Health and Social Care has got thirty million there. Okay, Um, And then next year it's getting an extra 43.8 million. Um, The high rate of personal income tax, we know that's rising from 20 to 22 percent, could cost uh, an average person up to 800 pounds a year extra. Um, And that extra 20 million is specifically ring fenced for the healthcare services. The more cynical of us may say that is that being done to try and soften the blow? We're going to charge you more tax, but it's for something that you want money to go towards. So that's okay, isn't it? Or am I being a bit cynical there? 
Uh, company tax on some banks and large retailers will be increased from 10 to 15%. Uh, maternity, paternity and adoption allowances uh, will each increase by 15%. Um, and uh, their maximum rates will rise from 210 to £241.50 a week. Now, around 3,000 families who have more than one dependent child will see their child benefits significantly increased. Family with two children, up to an extra of £626 per year. Uh, family with three children, up to an, uh, an extra £1,175.20p a year. Um, investment in the island's highway network will see 6.125 million committed to improvements, whilst 1.15 million available for structural maintenance. Does that finally mean that we might get potholes filled? We might get roads actually in a decent condition. Go down the promenade and look at those lovely new paved crossings that are that are collapsing in many areas after only a couple of years' worth of use. Are we going to invest, invest in high-quality long-term infrastructure? We will see, bearing in mind that Department of Infrastructure, they're getting an, a supplementary vote this afternoon um, or tomorrow of uh, 5.6 million. OK, what's your opinions? I could rough, roll on for hours with figures, but I'd love to hear from you on the phone. 66 13 68 is the number to call. Send me a text to one double six one double seven. One more interesting thing that I might highlight to you is that in the UK yesterday, they were talking about banning phones in schools. Now, this morning, all you have to do is go and follow a number of MHKs who, whilst they're meant to be focusing on the Timwald um, budget debate, they're tweeting like mad, complaining, replying to people who are challenging their position. And you sit there going, should we really be sitting there tweeting on our phones when you're meant to be focusing on the, uh, the, the affairs of state? especially when it comes to the budget and things that affect you directly in your pocket. Should they be sitting there on Twitter or X, as it's now called? Yeah, interesting one for you. I'll leave you to work out on that and go and have a search on X yourself. Uh, let's have a look at some of your comments coming in. Mike at the Welbeck, thank you very much for your message on WhatsApp. He says, regarding national insurance, another double whammy for small businesses, especially if they raise the minimum wage again. Um, but there was criticism about the lack of rising of the minimum wage, though, isn't there, Mike? Because... It's a double-edged sword, I'd imagine. In terms of businesses, it costs you more. In terms of employees, um, uh, surely in a um, an affluent society, and he said affluent there, affluent society, that people should be able to have a basic level of income and living. Well, that's a question for you. Um, let's have a look. Kay has been on. Good afternoon, Alex. Good afternoon, Kay. I think that Manx Care is getting no better. How much do we have to pay for such a poor service? How can we expect to encourage people to come and live here? No dentists, no doctor's appointments. Um, if you're over 65, you have to pay for private service. I feel the place is falling down around our heels. Thank you, Kay. Yep, that is a very good point. Um, that in terms of um, the, uh, the amount we pay for, for Manx Care... They've got an extra 30 million in a supplementary vote for this year. We're getting an extra 40 million next year. And there has been points in Timwald in the debate this morning. Um, when are we going to actually see some improvement? If the chief minister was here now, first question I'd ask him, what's improved during your administration? Now you're halfway in. When are we going to see the improvement for all this money that we're throwing at things? Manx Care is a good point. Thank you very much, Kay. Um, uh, hi, Nick. Uh, it says, no tax cap can... Uh, no tax cap change, though, for the super rich. That's what we were saying uh, with John before. Uh, more than likely, the rise is ring-fenced for the ever-decreasing pension fund, not the NHS. How about we reduce our MHKs or get rid of MLCs? Well, that's a very good point, I'm sure. Um, you know that um, we're trying to get rid of the bishop at the moment, who is a, uh, effectively a member of the Legislative Council, or at least get rid of his vote. Um, the question is, 
do you need the upper chamber there in such a small jurisdiction? Um, that, that Because MHKs and MLCs do cost us money. I know everyone says it very flippantly, but it is true. However, though, is it just, you know, signposting, gaslighting? Because the cost of MHKs compared to the cost of things like the NHS and the social care budgets is is minuscule. Would it make much of a dent or would it make people just feel better? I'd love to hear your opinion. 66 13 68. Send me a text. 166 Um And Julian is on the line. Hello, Julian. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? I'm not so bad, sir. How are you? All right. Yeah. Um, there was a question that came up yesterday um, about Haitian. And also, uh, in the context of uh, heritage, which I know is close to your heart, mm-hmm. um, the question related to somebody asking, I think it was caller 809, asking about um, the wind turbine that they were looking at. Um, now, of course, we've got the budget at the moment, and this could possibly be the biggest and costliest big ticket project for the Isle of Man budget. Um, especially when you factor in the extremely expensive interconnector and cost overspends, uh, potentially raising the cost of Manx wind energy into the multiple hundreds of millions. Um, now, Texter 809 yesterday was asking about comparing the, uh, those turbines at Haitian. I'm assuming uh, that the Texter is referring to the three that are on the A683 Bay Gateway Road when you come to the boat, uh, yeah. known as the Haitian South Wind Farm. Uh, which comprises of three Nordex N90 turbines. Uh, Each one of those is able to do about two and a half megawatts, which is roughly half of the power that the Erie Stain ones will be touted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, If you compare the Haitian ones to what Erie Stain will have, uh, the Erie Stain ones will be a third taller, um, which will add an extra 130 feet on top. Uh, But the biggest difference will be the swept circular area so the Erie Stain ones will be sweeping twice the area at roughly 147,000 square feet. But um, to give local context for these um, proposed Erie Stain turbines, uh, somebody mentioned Laxey Wheel, and I, I think you're quite an expert on that. Um, <laughs> Go each, on. Each one of these Erie Stain turbines is going to be six times larger than the Laxey Wheel mm-hmm. and ten times higher. They're so big that if you place Laxey wheel under an eerie stained turbine with a blade pointing downwards, you could fit a three-story building in between the gap from the blade to the top of the Laxey wheel. Well, Julian, I'm going to play. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you here. So you you've given me all the details there of the uh, the size of the wind farms and everything else like that, and you've compared it to the the Laxey wheel. What if I turn around to you and say, so what? Yeah, they're going to be big. So what? Well, you've then got to think about if they're going to be big, they're also going to require a lot of work in the ground. You've got wetlands there. Mm. Now, if you think about the current um, Ferrari with um, the wetlands at Pool Dewey, where they're worried about water and everything ingressing into surrounding properties if they build that new estate, you go up to Erie Stain, you've never seen water like it. I mean, it's literally over your wellies all over that place. And, of course, it's the source of the Colby River. Yes, it is, yeah. So there's one thing to think about. To start with, if you start putting huge amounts of concrete, I mean, if you think in building control, if you've got a house above another house and you've got a spring behind you, you've got to put attenuators in, you know, like stones and bricks and things to slow down the water because they know that once you start building concrete pads, that water's always got to go somewhere. So there's a start, just as a practical um, 
practical mention. But as you mentioned there, though, the comparison with Victorian engineering, the Laxey Wheel, when it was built, was a massive scar on the landscape. It wasn't a tourist attraction. It was an industrial piece of machinery. Um, the, the mines themselves, OK, um, in terms of the amount of, uh, uh, but shall we say, poisoning of the water, we still have problems in the, the, the water flowing out through Peel because of leachate from the mines. Douglas Promenade itself, we consider one of our great glories of the island. Douglas Promenade, if you tried to build that in an area of outstanding natural beauty like a natural bay with nothing built on it, we'd be up in arms. And so it, it, it's more, it interests me that when something new and big comes along, everyone goes, oh, no, we don't want that. And I can imagine it would have been the same when you'd, you'd have been having things like um, uh, Corrin's Folly. There's a tower up there. When you build Peel Castle on a beautiful um, outcrop of land, people will sit there going, well, that's destroying the environment um, in terms of what they get to see. Whereas years later, we just come, come to accept it. So surely, um, once again, sitting on the other side of the fence from you, surely that if we want to embrace wind power and um, greener power, as a nation, we're going to have to put up with some what we consider at first eyesores, aren't we? Well, if you say eyesore, let's let's just go with that. Mm. When you drive into Laxey, it's pretty hard to see Laxey Wheel, isn't it? I mean, well, even from Agnish, it's almost impossible. I, I would argue that um, um, that's only in recent tree growth. It, uh, in, in past times, it was much more visible, but I don't think M&H are going to whop down that whopping great big tree that's in front of it, to be honest. Um, right, but, but in, if we're talking... Uh, yeah. If we're talking dinosaurs, mm-hmm. the comparison with I mean, it's sat in a valley, isn't it? Yes. You're talking about as as Phil mentioned yesterday, you've got five Blackpool towers, mm-hmm. and you've effectively got blades that are the width of the Manxman, rotating around, moving, causing flicker and all the rest of it, like a, like a colossal motorized bow tie going around the neck of the Manxman, and you've got five of them clearly visible. To I think I seem to remember that Arbury, Castletown, Malou, and Russian, the votes came to 12,066 votes. So you've got 12,000 people that are going to have grandstand view of these things. So what's your what's your alternative then, Julian? Because uh, you, you're regularly on telling us how we, you know they're going to be big. Yes, we know they're going to be big. You can keep on giving us descriptions of how big they're going to be. Um, they're going to be big. What is the alternative that you would like to see? Because the people installing these are experts. And unless unless your career and I'm, I don't know your background, but uh, unless your career is in um, power generation. I'd imagine that people whose career is in power generation has looked at this. So what would you like to see instead to give us green power? Well, let's just look at this. We're talking about the budget today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cell for these turbines is they will produce 71% of the time. Interestingly, those Nordex um, turbines at Haitian that uh, Texture 809 mentioned, the developer called Banks Development say that the capacity factor of those turbines is 25%. So if that's the case, it is about almost four times less power in reality, based on the, the, the turbines that are being mentioned on the radio. So if we're going to be blowing, it's not going to 36 million. I mean, you, you show me any uh, capital project that hasn't gone massively over budget. Let's, well, let's... I'll tell you what, Julian, you answer my question first. What's your alternative? That's why I asked you. Don't break what I, Don't fix what ain't broke. Well, we've got to replace our power station. Our gas-powered power station is coming to the end of its life because, you know, yeah. same, in the same way that everyone talks about how wind turbines don't last forever, neither, neither does gas-powered power station. So what would you see um, we replace it with? Well, you know, the latest gas power stations, like the one in North Yorkshire, mm-hmm. they're 24% more efficient than 
full rows because of changes to the um, types of alloys that they're putting inside the boiler, et cetera, et cetera. The way that they, they swirl around with the, the, the heat of everything. So you're going to save 24% immediately when you change that, that power station. You're going to be using a quarter less fuel. It's a bit like the argument that internal combustion engines are the root of all evil. If you take an average car from, say, 2007, most of them are about 30 times less polluting than they were then. So you can't really say there hasn't been progress made. But then you look at, say, the alternatives that are being asked about, like turbines and EVs and solar panels. Nobody wants to talk about the um, resources that are used to make them. And if you're talking about the realities of things, what about all our heat energy? That's not even being addressed with this. OK, Julian. Well, I'm going to move on. Um, thank you very much to um, the text I've had um, from uh, Nick, um, who says, Julian, um, that um, she says, Julian, you're a geek with all your measurements and sizes. We don't want to listen to you comparing sizes of erections. Shall I leave you with that one, Julian? <laughs> 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 Thanks very much. Uh, right, look, great to have Julian on. Uh, keep your calls and texts coming in. I'll um, uh, come back to you um, uh, in a moment after this. The Nation Station, Next Radio. Uh, the man in line, Alex, with you through until uh, one o'clock. Open line today, although it is, of course, uh, Isle of Man Budget Day. The headlines there that the personal tax, um, income tax, um, uh, ratio is going to rise from 20% to 22%. Um, that's the higher rate, um, raising £20 million specifically for the island's healthcare services. Um, uh, few, let's go through some of your messages here, um, uh, because we kind of got sidetracked with Julian there about wind power, of course. Um, uh, that uh, Hi, Alex, says Angie. Um, it's fine to raise the personal income tax to support our NHS services and educators, um, but will the millionaires who pay only a small percentage of tax be paying more too? Surely only fair. Well, that was the tax cap we were talking about before that um, isn't up for debate this year. Maybe it should be. Um, uh, thank you to Sven says, uh, we we need wind power, but uh, why do they have to be onshore if we have a full 12 mile uh, zone? So basically if we have a territorial waters, what you're saying is why aren't they out at sea? I would imagine cost. It's a lot cheaper to build them on land than it is to build them in the middle of the sea, I'd imagine. Um, Steve says, Julian, again, talking about budget and funding of renewables, but politely declines to mention the totally unstable cost of fossil fuels. He has no alternative, just more climate change denial. Thank you, Steve, for that one. Let's have a look at some of your um, text as well. Text to 653 who says, driving through France, I love seeing wind turbines. Get them built. Are you, are you suggesting now that this could be a tourist attraction? Oh, my word. Um, that uh, Sean says, hi, Alex, I wonder how much... Extra Paul Phillips and the TT lot in TT Motorsport get this year to waste on fancy little projects around the grandstand um, and commentators who don't have a clue. Well, Sean, we will see. Okay, the pink budget, uh, the pink book is available on there, but there hasn't been any headline increase for funding um, uh, the elements of the TT or motorsport from what I can see. But um, uh, if you want to go and have a nose through, please do. It's on Manx Radio's mini budget site, manxradio.com. Um, Neil says, Alex, what's Julian on? Some mad tablets? I can't wait for them to put up wind turbines. Who cares how big they are? Bring them on, says Neil. Um, and uh, Texter947 says, modern windmills are majestic structures, like stunning modern art. Bring them on. Uh, thank you very much for that one. And um, Julie says, afternoon, Alex. These people that are on the man in line moaning every day, why don't they stand for public offices, MHKs, and affect change they bang on about every day? It's a very good point. Okay. Um, that many people, you, anyone can stand as an MHK. 
Okay, we we criticise the MHKs for never being experts, and everybody from you know um, a doctor and a dentist down to a shoe cleaner, whatever else, um, can be um, an MHK. So yeah, um, maybe stand up and be counted. Um, uh, what else have we got here? That uh, thank you to text oh six eight who says, um, saying what you were saying, Alex. I once saw in a mug. Amateurs built the Ark. Experts built the Titanic. And as a taxi driver in Belfast once said to me, that um, yeah. The Titanic was built um, by the Northern Irish. It was sunk by an English captain. Um, there was no problem with the ship. Her sister ship, Olympic, sailed for many, many years. Exactly the same design, not a problem. Crashing into the iceberg, mm, that was more of a problem. Um, that uh, Heather and Douglas says that Julian was avoiding an answer. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Malcolm says, nuclear is the only answer. No question, it will happen. How safe do you feel with nuclear power on the Isle of Man? We, we we can't finish a Liverpool ferry terminal on budget. We can't even finish the prom. But you want a nuclear power station. I know I'm fear-mongering there, but, you know, it's just a question. Um, and uh, finally, thank you. Um, hi, Alex. When you talk about replacing the current power station, do you mean replacing the generating machinery or the complete building as well? Um, well, the building itself, I would imagine, is fine. I don't have the expert figures, I will grant you. Um, but, yeah, the generating equipment. Uh, 2030, of course, it's uh, um, meant to reach the, end, reach the end of its operational life. Right, Wilf has been waiting patiently. Hey, boy, Wilf, how are you? Uh, well, my arm is getting tired holding the phone waiting for you. <laughs> um, now then, uh, I've just read in the paper here and they said, uh, Holmes bid on floodplain set for approval. Yes, this is the pull do we want? That's a pull do we in Ramsey. Yes. Okay, now... I've had a meeting with these people. These are, these are uh, Blythe Church Investments Holdings Limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the people who wants to do this. Uh, <clears throat> I've already had a meeting with those people. Now, there's about half a dozen of them, different experts on, on their side. And uh, there was one man across who is, well, they're all across, but uh, one of them was going to come over to see me, especially, Mm-hmm. about the flooding. Right. Because I know what I'm talking about with the flooding, you see, because I've been here forever. Now then... Um, have, Ram- have Ramsey commissioners it, actually objected to the, uh, the the planning yet? I'm not sure it's up to, because obviously um, you'd have your chance to object to it on those grounds, wouldn't you? Me objected? Well... No, no, I wasn't objecting to it. Oh, right. I was just going to give them some advice. Right. Uh, but it never happened. I was promised that this man was going to come over specially to talk to me because right. I've seen it all, you see, in the past. And uh, so, but it never happened. He never arrived. And now it's gone for plan of permission and they're talking about passing it and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, uh, everybody here on this paper is against it apart from uh, the planning officer Hey, Laird. I've never heard of him. I don't know how long has he been here or what. I don't know. But anyway, maybe he would like to talk to me because <clears throat> I can go down there <clears throat> and show them where there's already they've already built houses. This this is uh, Dan Dad has already built houses mm-hmm. on a field that I have led horses off up to their bellies in water, and that's the high part of the field. 
So when this planning application goes through, Wilf, I mean, it, 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 it's great It's great you have all this knowledge. When the planning application goes through, will you be um, submitting um, comments? Will you be getting involved in the planning process? Because, of course, every no, planning no, no, application... We, we, I, this, uh, we haven't got time to talk all about that, but I've mm -hmm. been to meetings with them, and I've took all their names off the, off the, off the um, people who have passed these houses. Right. So I can come back on them when uh, when they get flooded because they're going to get flooded there's no question about it but it seems very pointless if, if you're not going to get involved in the planning application and all you're interested in is saying i told you so later what's the point why are you not getting involved no, no, that's not on this process i told them before it happened right and that's in that's in the planning application built the houses and that, that... the houses has already been built and i told them mm -hmm. the experts up in douglas yeah. at meetings that they're going to flood they're right not flooded yet but it's been near it, but it's actually going to happen. And you, and, no doubt about it. And I, I, I'm, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you. I'm saying, so did you submit that as evidence towards the planning application at the time? I'll admit that as evidence to anybody. Well, that, that, that's the process of doing it. That's the process of if you're submitting problems with the a planning application, highways do it, interested parties do it, anyone can submit issues saying, this is my experience. I'll tell you. Go on. Now then. Uh, it says here that the uh, the plan officer, Hamish Lord, is recommending approval okay. on the basis that a proposed new spine road would be act as a flood barrier. Now then, they want to do that because actually where they start off with this road is from the bakery end, if you like, of Ramsey, where mm -hmm. the bakery was. Where the old train, train station was. Right, because that's the deepest place that's the deepest part of the bog. So they're putting a spine road through that so they don't have to fill it in with thousands and thousands of tons of rubble to get away with a spine road. Now, that spine road, it, he says here that that's going to be a flood barrier. Now then, when you make a flood barrier, then the water's got to go somewhere else. If it can't get into its floodplain, as it, would, as it has done for hundreds and thousands of years, then it's got to go the other side. If you shut it off from one side, it's got to go the other side. And the houses on the other side have already been flooded. I've been seeing all that stuff for years and years, and it's gonna, it'll make it worse. Okay, Wilf, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off here because I've got a load of other calls waiting, and my, my point that I keep on making is this is evidence that should be submitted at a planning, um, uh, procedure. So from Ramsey commissioners or your personal side, yes. Definitely submit that stuff, because if we have people with local knowledge who are submitting that evidence, that should be part of the planning process. OK, um, I'm, I've got loads of people waiting to get on, so let's uh, go straight to Mike. Hello, Mike. How are you? Want to talk about Paul Rose Power Station? Yes, I just uh, some information for yourself um, and various other people who have been on the Manning Line in the past. You all seem to think that Paul Rose Power Station, the two engines that have been in there, have been in there since it was built. And they've got a life of 25 years. Okay, yeah. We've got we've got three engines. One's always on standby. They come out on a regular basis to be returned to the UK to be serviced. The boiler itself, where the steam's um, made, if yeah. you like, from the hot gases, mm -hmm. that's been retubed at least three times, to my knowledge. So why can't we just keep Keep repairing it. So yeah, your your point is that we should try and extend the lifespan of the existing facility. 
Well, as we've got natural gas mm. in the sea, which if we don't have, my countrymen, the English, will come and take whether you like it or not, <laughs> because they're looking for more. They're looking for more gas, because it said recognised transition fuel. Yeah, it's not as bad as everybody made out, and their their uh, gas fields in the North Sea are running low. When they want it, they will come and get it. So basically, you think we should we should dig it up before they come and take it off our hands? But we won't get any money from them because if they're being feeling nice, they'll sit on the twelve year uh, mile back, um, limit and drill horizontally yeah. into it. But more likely, they're just going to come in, put the rig there. What are you going to do about it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a very good point. Can we continue with uh, our own resources and just keep the power station going? Um, uh, John has been on. Now, John has got some answers um, for Julian's question of alternatives. Hello, John. Afternoon, Alex. How are you doing? I'm not so bad, boy. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm going to have to blame Will for this. He's given me a, short, uh, a, a sore arm now. Yes, you asked uh, Julian uh, what's his alternative. He was saying gas. He wasn't very clear about it when he said, well, you know, don't break what's, uh, don't fix what is broken. Mm-hmm. So he was implying gas, just like your last caller was saying, you know, keeping the turbines running and everything else. However, what about single well, deep hole geothermal? Now, I've heard from I've heard from some geologists, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not an expert and haven't read up on this for the program, but um, they... The point that some geologists made was the fact that uh, the rock makeup underneath the Isle of Man is not um, suitable for efficient geothermal. Um, I don't claim to be an expert on that, but that was normally the, the comeback when you start talking about geothermal over here. Well, that's an easy comeback, isn't it? If you think that the core of the Earth is extremely hot and mm. the deepest mine in the world is in South Africa and the surface rock temperature in that mine is 60 degrees Celsius, so they have to pump cool air around just so people can work for half an hour. If you go down 3,000 metres, it could be anywhere from about 120 degrees up to 160 degrees. Wow. Um, and what you're doing is you're just drilling a single hole with a coaxial pipe in it, you're tapping into that heat, and you're bringing it back up again. Okay. Thank you, John. Uh, do, do you know what? I will, um, I'm on again tomorrow. I will do some research from a geologist's point of view. Um, I'll get in touch with the geologist, and I'll come back to you on that and uh, bring it up tomorrow's programme. How's that? Um, that, that's a thought, but what you, I think you should do is you should speak to Graham Fox Hume, who's our local geophysicist. Okay, Graham Fox Hume. I will do yeah. my best to get, get in touch with him. I'll bring you back something tomorrow, John. How's that? Oh, yes, fantastic. Thanks very much. Cheers. You're welcome. Uh, the, good to speak to John there. Yeah, geothermal. Um, is it the panacea that we're just ignoring, or is it something that we would like to see happen? It's a bit like hydrogen cars, you know, and coal fusion, all these things that we'd love to be the, the panacea, but actually aren't. Um, Eddie is on. He's been waiting uh, patiently. Eddie wants to talk about wind farms as well. Hello, Eddie. Hiya. You all right? Not uh, bad. Yeah, your, la- your last two callers have been absolutely bang on. There is alternatives, and uh, just just to go back to when you were talking to Julian, mm. You you yourself mentioned the the green energy of wind farms. Well, just to put that right, we all know now that it is not green energy. Even once they're up, they kill birds, they kill bats, they knacker up the hillsides, the heathlands, coast floods, you name it, on and on. Geothermal, um, why aren't we trying it? It's it makes common sense to me and. 
you know, when you said about so many experts saying it's not that, well, it's about 50-50. Some are saying, yes, it's good. Some are saying it's not. Like the, the ones I've listened to all say it's very similar mm. to the south of England, where they've already got geothermal, and it's working. And, and of course, using your analogy there, um, Eddie, of course, that um, if we're saying then that it's... Uh, uh, wind power is not green. Of course, geothermal isn't green. There is no such thing as a full green energy because it will require some manufacturing process somewhere which has a carbon footprint. Yeah, but your carbon footprint straight away on all of them, probably geothermal is the least. Um, Water power, um, um, whether it be hydro or marine, is probably the cleanest of the lot. But we're actually looking, at the moment, the government is looking at the the two, which are the worst of all, you know, because the most important thing, is it going to give us electricity when we need it? 24-7 is out of the door, isn't it? Well, Eddie, Eddie, just to, um, I've I've just done some um, internet investigation, as everybody says, and um, when I've put in the smallest carbon footprint for power generation, it says that wind energy has the lowest carbon footprint out of all forms of uh, um, so-called green energy. So there you go. That's only when it's up. What we're saying, it's, you know, it's to get it up, right? They don't look at the things like, do we, if we're going to say we're green, are we going to allow ourselves to kill birds, bats, kill the land, everything? The one thing about the show, I think um, Phil Gorman was on last week and we had a lot of people coming in and saying, what do you like about the show and everything? Hmm. Well, one thing that's, that came out of that show was that the people who come on and chat regularly about things care about the island. The one who comes and criticise the ones who are on are the ones who don't give a care about the Isle of Man. If you cared about the Isle of Man, you would not go for wind turbines, which are unsightly, they kill the heathland, they kill the birds, you name it, they're wrong. I I, I I agree with you that people who ring in that care about the island, what I was presenting you with is that this is not a programme to um, put forward opinion as fact or something that might have been found on the internet that's unverified. So in terms of in, in terms of things like, as you say, they're, they're a blot on the landscape, we've heard from people who um, today disagree because that is opinion. So some people like them, so um, that that can't be factual. However, your point there is that um, in terms of um, their carbon footprint, it's got to include the installation of these as well if you're trying to work out um, whether they are greener, as it were, than uh, other fossil fuel um, power generation, yeah? yeah? You need a before and after, but, but if you actually... Uh, your comment now was if the people... There's some saying, you know, before it. You actually ask... I ask people all over the south of the island, and... It's rare that I come across somebody who says I'm for them. So you've got a national radio here for the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. So we could be getting people from Latchy, uh, Kirk Michael, you name it, all those. Are, it's not going to bother them at the moment, but they're the ones who are phoning and saying, I'm for them. Wait till they've got it on their own doorstep. Well, exactly. Um, so, as, as Eddie points out, that, that's what we are here for. We are the, 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 the nation station. So, um, the, there's one side of that. It's not on their doorstep, but it's also not in my backyard either. So, um, if the argument is purely not in my backyard, well, that's a very different argument, isn't it, from the, the environmental argument? 
It's not that, though. I mean, uh, 18 months ago, I had, nothing, uh, I had no knowledge whatsoever about wind turbines. Now I have. Uh, because it's in, because it's involving me, mm-hmm. I, I've taken the time. Like, like before Christmas, I, I requested that your viewers, um, your listeners, should I say, do the same as me and try and find out for themselves what a wind farm really is and what it involves and what it does once it's up. Where, where do you get your information from, Eddie? Because obviously um, the internet can tell you many, many things. Um, and somebody looking for one side of the argument, I have the same when it comes to heritage. Um, you'll find some people coming up with stuff that can be interpreted one way. Where's the verified information from? Well, what I do is I actually um, look to... Uh, I've got friends who uh, live in Norway. I, I look at websites of people who have already got them who are now fighting to have them taken down. Um, France has actually won one court battle and had them taken down because they are killing birds. They are, uh, they've got a, a noise pollution which affects your brain sugars. People can't sleep. So why are we going down the, 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 the road of putting these things up when we already know these facts? I mean, let's just get in touch with the French government and ask for the facts yourself and you'll get them. And finally, Eddie, because um, I'm beginning to run out of time on the programme, what would you see as the alternative yeah. then? Where, where, where would you... So let's just say that um, that uh, Tim Crookle, who's the MUA chairman, has listened to you and says, right, OK, we're not going to do wind power. What would you like to see him do to ensure that we, the lights stay on? I would, I would love him to do this for a kick-off. Just halt what you're doing and look at every other alternative. Um, I pointed out a place in the uh, west coast of Scotland called the Nordau Peninsula, and they were fed up with what the uh, national grid, Scottish grid, were doing in the national grid, so they did it themselves. And just one bathtub of water produced enough electricity for the whole village of 200-odd people. A bathtub of water? So are you talking about um, the uh, hydroelectricity? But also I've been watching... Um, all the documentaries recently and looking on the websites of these companies, in the Orkneys now, marine turbines are absolutely the thing. Even Rishi Schumacher, is uh, soon after whatever his name is, he's going for one power. OK. Um, thank you, Eddie. I've run out of time, but great to speak to you. Thank you very much. Wow. Well... What? Uh, last half of the show. It's, it's just a pity more people don't ring at the beginning part of the show. But please do tomorrow. It'd be great to have a debate with you here on The Man in Line. Interestingly enough, all about wind power today. You'd forget that your taxes are going up, wouldn't you? It is budget day in the Isle of Man. There is an extended update this evening with Lewis Foster from 5 through until 6 with all of our budget coverage brought to you by Crow Isle of Man. It continues after the lunch break over on DAB and AM 1368. I'd love to have more of your comments tomorrow on the show from midday about what the budget means to you and you've digested all of it and what the MHKs think about it. Until then, have a wonderful afternoon. Take care. Ta-da.